I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I am Dave Kittle, owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. And we're currently speaking with practice owners about partnering or buying some or all of their practice in the New York and New Jersey area. And today we have Elliot Holland on the podcast. We're gonna be talking about how to keep you, buyers and sellers, honest, especially keep buyers honest when selling your practice and doing a sell-side quality of earnings. Now, that sounds a little complex, but basically Elliot runs a firm and a service that can maximize the value of your exit if you're a practice owner and you're looking to exit and sell. And uh, his firm, Guardian Due Diligence, is offering the service that's like an audit-like product for buyers and sellers, quality of earnings, and also the king of QOV. We're going to get into all that. The king of quality of earnings. Ellie, welcome on the podcast. So good to be here. Great introduction. Let's have some fun. Let's do it. So I've seen you all over. I've been on your email list, as I mentioned. I think we got, a, we got an introduction from Colin McNulty, SBA lender. So shout out to Colin. Tell the audience a brief uh, introduction of yourself and the firm, and then we'll kind of get into quality of earnings and how it actually can help practice owners and business owners exit for a higher dollar amount. Absolutely. So Elliot Holland, I'm a, a fancy MBA dude, went to HBS, and I was actually in David's seat buying companies, both Wall Street level stuff and then smaller stuff for years. And I, I recognized an opportunity in the market. And now I bring a deal uh, execution lens to an, uh, an accounting product called a quality of earnings. And so what that means is that as a deal professional, I manage a team of accountants that do this audit like product, but I communicate with my clients, both buyers and sellers at a deal level, which enables them to not have to translate accounting speak to understand how to leverage the service and the product that we create to sort of maximize their value. So I'm a, a former deal guy that runs an accounting firm in summary. Excellent. So guardiandudiligence.com, I've been on the website. I've downloaded a bunch of your PDFs and all that. I've seen you all over Twitter and LinkedIn. So you're all obviously doing the right things in terms of marketing. In terms of quality of earnings, in ter- like if a practice owner, a business owner is watching or listening and they they have an accountant or they have an accountant firm, they have folks that help them with bookkeeping, where does this factor in in regards to their exit? Should they sure. you know, think about this before they speak to potential buyers? Is this something that really they would only need to reach out to you like maybe once they get some offers and sure. uh, letters of intent? Sure. So if I was talking to my best friend or practice owner, here's what I say. When you start thinking about selling your practice, when you're probably above 40% thinking about it, you should get a quality of earnings. What the heck is it? And why wouldn't I use my regular bookkeeping firm to do it? Or why isn't the stuff that my bookkeeping firm does sufficient? So what I do and what quality of earnings is, is in the realm of forensic accounting or what they call transaction advisory. So this is like the A plus kids in the accounting world. And so it's a very specific type of experience, a very, a very specific type of analysis. And so your bookkeeper can't do this. Your accountant probably can't. And so here's why you do it. 
as a private business owner, your financials are unaudited. So when a guy like Dave looks at them, and he might he might disagree with me. When I was looking at financials that were unaudited from a seller, I was like, ah, these are probably plus or minus 30%. They could be. Most practice owners are not trying to overpay the IRS. And so there's that in the mix. And then small businesses generally don't overinvest in accounting or bookkeeping. So there's typically just things that are not presented correctly, not maliciously, just not presented correctly. So then Dave, as a buyer, comes in and he says, hey, thanks for this stuff. I need to go do a analysis on my own using transaction accountants to actually understand for sure what your numbers are when they're actually stated appropriately. At that point, I can actually confirm at the letter of intent, I'm taking your word for it, for what the financials are. I'm going to put a multiple on it, give you a LOI. But by the time he closes, he's going to do a quality of earnings to validate that. And if the numbers are different than what you said initially, he's going to change the price. So Elliot, why the heck would I do that as a seller? Dave's going to do it as a buyer. Okay. Think about the doctor that you paid to do a physical versus the doctor on the other side of the table that was paid by that guy to do it. So if you're going to have a practical exam, you probably want somebody that you paid to do it. Here's the second reason. Dave's evaluating hundreds of practices, right? And if you are smart, when you're talking to him, you have your sell side quality of earnings that is like presented your financials exactly how they need to be. And now he's like, wait, hold on. These guys actually already did the work. So I know that they're serious about selling. I know they're educated. I know that they understand their financials. I know that my process to buy the business is going to be less problematic. I know that my lenders and investors are going to be easier able to get behind this. I can probably close the deal quicker. Hooray. This is a lot easier put than all the others. So where is he going to go first and where is he going to pay the most? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So really, you could be on either side of the table. You could be on the sell side or the buy side. Obviously, you will, I'm sure you will avoid any conflict and you'll have to pick one or the other. Like if we had you on the buy side, uh, and then if you were representing some practice owner in the New York City area, then you know, you probably would not, you'd probably avoid the the conflict there and let everyone know that you're already with us and you wouldn't be able to do a sell side quality of earnings for them. But any other like major considerations or, or potential conflicts in this whole process? So let me carry the conflict because integrity is one of the most important things that you can have in sort of deal advisory. There's too much money moving through these transactions to have any concept of anything less than 100% integrity. So you're absolutely right. If a practice owner hired me, then Dave could not. And if Dave hired me, the practice owner could not. And that's sort of very strict. I want to explain a little bit about what it is because I've kind of explained why you'd want to do it I and mean, how it maximizes value why it makes a buyer's process easier. But what is it? It's essentially the accepted, the normal way the private business owners with unaudited financials present a almost perfect financial set to a buyer or an investor. So it's essentially saying, hey, look, your financials are the QuickBooks. Anybody can manipulate QuickBooks. Your financials and your taxes, come on, guys. We oftentimes get creative on our taxes. So as a buyer or somebody making an investment, how can I actually believe the financials? Well, the only way for that to happen is for somebody to reconcile your bank statements to your financials, to your taxes. So now I can understand exactly what's there. So net income doesn't go from $200,000 on your taxes to a million dollars and adjusted EBITDA in some memo that a broker put together to $500,000 in your QuickBooks. And then even a reasonable person is going to say, what the heck is the difference? So the QE reconciles all of that, builds all the financials from the bank statements. 
at least the bank statements are terrible, man. They got all these transactions. Why the heck would you use those? All right, I'll tell you why. You can't walk into Chase with 100 bucks and then say, hey, Chase, tell Dave that's 500 bucks. So the conservatism of the bank statements allows uh, a transaction accountant to believe them. If I can reconcile your financials to the bank statements, now I have a believable set of data. And now if I can present that on a monthly basis and the quality of earnings, anyone can see in five minutes looking at that report, what's there, what is the complete financial picture of the business? And now I can make educated investment decisions quick. Got it. Now, in, in those cases, like the practices that we've looked at, we'll look at the bank statements and they'll send them over to us. And we want to kind of track the inflows and outflows, kind of like each dollar kind of flowing in and out of the practice. Then if you're doing your process, is it a little more granular? Like you have to obviously sign some NDAs or whatever it might be with the practice owner. And then are you getting access to their banking portal so that you can really ensure that these documents are truly coming from the bank and they haven't been modified between being like printed out or into some other drag and drop system. And then they print them out and they're like, here's our financials. Now, of course, most practice owners are not doing anything like that, but it still could be possible. So do you have to have access to their bank portal, like their login and all that? So we sometimes do that, but oftentimes we don't. So I'm going to nerd out for a moment. So forgive me for those that like lickety split stuff at a high level. Let me, I have to get to the detail here. Yes, it's way more granular. So QuickBooks is very widely used in the deals that I do. There may be some other financial system in the practice world. I don't know. But whatever those financials are, each month, your bookkeeper or whoever is reconciling the financials to the bank statements. So there's already historical reconciliation that's in your QuickBooks. The issue is it's typically inaccurately done. It's typically done with revenue and cost and inaccurate buckets. And it's usually not done down to the penny. So when I come in, I'm looking at down to the penny reconciliations. I'm looking at, okay, how do I correct the incorrect stuff that's happened in the past? And then we double click on that. Your bookkeeper who you pay, whatever you pay, is not incented to go extra crazy in your books every single month. In fact, you wouldn't want to pay them to go extra crazy in your books. You just want regular financial presentation. A buyer has to trust your financials at a higher level than you have to trust your bookkeeper because you see the bank account balances. So we're way more granular and we're comparing stuff to the taxes, to the bank statements, to whatever your practice management solution may be in your business. And so when we present, we can show any single number in your business from two or three different angles so that somebody can get comfortable. Because let's be real here. These acquisitions are typically million dollar plus deals. When somebody's betting a million dollars plus on your business, Come on, you have to recognize they need to understand these financials very, 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 very well. Right. What other steps of this process would be important to review for any practice owner that now is just kind of learning about the importance of this? And really, like a lot of practice owners, as I mentioned in the pre-interview with you, is like, of course, they care about a safe pair of hands, a new partner that's coming in that will respect their legacy and, and their reputation in the community. That practice owner, if they sell a majority component or if they sell 100% of their practice, they don't want to be going to local events in their town or city and then, you know, hear from the community like, oh, you know, your place changed and, you know, this new partner business or corporate or strategic or whoever that bought your practice or your business, you know, things are way different and it's worse now, whatever. They definitely don't want to hear that. But let's assume that those things are handled and taken care of. Practice owners and business owners definitely want to sell for max dollar and top dollar as much as they can. So what are some of the other components of this process that 
will help and support the sellers out there um, and and ensure that their financials and the whole, like you said, the whole package and presentation of their financials, because that is a pretty much the large largest component, the EBITDA component or the adjusted EBITDA component is how we're valuing these practices, not uh, not necessarily about uh, a, a huge percentage of goodwill or, or future projections or anything like that. So what are some of the other components or, or considerations with this process that can help practice owners kind of get ready and present their financials in the best way? So I've tried to not bore anyone, so I'm going to go a little bit little bit more detailed. So what does a buyer want? So I run my own business. When I run my business month to month, I need to bring in more revenue than my cost. And I'm a happy camper. If it fluctuates, not a big deal. I know the drivers of it. So it's not big for me to understand this. As a buyer, someone who's going to put up a million dollars more for your business, there's very finite things that they want. They want um, repeatable revenue. They want to understand the drivers of that revenue because they want it to be as sustainable as possible. They want to understand the consistency of costs, and then they want to understand the profit. And so what the report does is not just restate your financials. It's not that. It's all of a sudden, I'm looking at the last 12 months of your business performance. I'm looking at how does the revenue look month to month. I'm looking at what drives the revenue because I want to know how sustainable it is. Then I'm looking at what the costs have been, how consistent have they been. There's always one-time items. So I adjust one-time items out. That's another benefit to the buyer. I, that's taken care of for you. That IT system you kicked out, that bookkeeper that didn't work, we, we take all those one-time expenses out. And then we look at what drives the cost. So if you look at revenue, what drives revenue, cost, what drives cost. Now I know what drives profit. And now when you're looking at this, it doesn't just say, hey, revenue, cost, profit. No, no, no. It says monthly basis, uh, going back two or three years. Here's all the revenue and the drivers. Here's all the costs, all the drivers. Here's the profit, how sustainable it's been. And here's all the things that people want to look at. How quickly do you collect? Who's a great customer from a collection perspective? Who's not so great? Who do you pay and how quickly? Do you pay people, you know, five days after the invoice comes? Do you wait 30? How consistent has that been? The cash flow in your business, has it been consistent? Or is it seasonal? Do you have more customers in the summer and less in the winter? Vice versa. How have the marketing efforts that you will tout that will make the business so much bigger in the future, how have those performed in the historical period and how can I see it? Can I see that $100, $1,000 of marketing investment create $3,000, $5,000 of revenue increase? And now I can say, oh, these are working. These are consistent things. I can pay you a bit more because these projecting to the future. And so it's a look at your financials from all angles. So let me even give you another piece. A good quality of earnings report is 27, 25 pages. Oh my God, Elliot, who the heck wants to look at that? The people putting up a million bucks to buy your business want to look at that. The bank wants to look at that. And so this isn't for the seller, for him to like put it in a golden box next to his computer and look at it every day. No, no, no. This is something a seller would do to get ahead of a buyer doing it. So you can do it at your pace. You pay the person to do it. It'll increase what somebody can pay for your business and it'll give them all the information they need to make a decision. Because at the end of the day, what does a seller of a business want? I want my million dollar check as quickly as I can. I want it as high as it can be and as quickly as I can get it. And this enables those things to move quicker. And that can certainly happen faster when there's less, there's less, you know, 
either, well, I mean, we're still going to do diligence, but there's less of the forensic component for us. Like our team, we have a forensic accountant. That's one of our board members. And like, we're going to look at the financials, of course, but if the books are messy or they don't have this Q of E, like, yeah, it's going to take us more manpower and more emails and more conversations about the inflows and the outflows of the dollars of the practice. So if I'm just thinking we haven't come across it yet, but if we come across a practice owner who then has a QV from you or from someone else, yeah, immediately we can see, like you said, okay, they're a little more serious. They've already you know, invested time and money into having this prepared. They're obviously motivated to some degree to be motivated sellers or motivated partners, as opposed to they're just kind of kicking the tires and kind of testing the market. But if they're going to actually pay you for this report, they're spending some money in the process. They are spending time in this process. And then we will then come across these uh, the financials, including your report. And then we're going to say, okay, we can start to wrap our heads around this a little bit more efficiently, a little faster. And at the end of the day, yeah, we're probably going to have to pay more for these types of practices because they're already doing all, they're checking the boxes. They're showing clear, concise financials. They're showing that they're serious, that they are trying to present this whole package, which is like, their practice and the financials and everything in the best light, right? And like that exactly. seems to be like a pretty savvy way if you're going to look to sell, you know, some or all of your practice in the future. And let me give you some other value cases here. And you guys should know I'm not selling this product. I'm an entrepreneur and I actually want entrepreneurs to get full value for their businesses. So, so that's the angle I'm speaking at here. But let's be honest. I underinvest in my financials personally in my business because I don't need that level of granularity. So how do I fix that in 60 days? Because Dave came and wants to buy my business. This is how I fix that in 60 days. So all the sins of the past, that bookkeeper didn't work out, that funky bank account that you closed because fraud, that Vegas trip that got out of hand and you put it through the business. How do you fix that in 30 to 60 days? You get a sell side QOE, right? So as messy as your stuff has been, doesn't matter. This rights the wrong. You, you, you get admonished. Boom. The other thing is, Let's contrast this with the person that doesn't. So here's the thing. If you hire your forensic accountants to do your sell side quality of earnings, they are nice. They are understanding and they're going to make this an easy process for you. Right. As a person who also does work on the buy side. So let's just say Dave or another buyer hires me to do this work. Well, I work for Dave. It's not that I won't be nice. It's just I have no incentive to be. I'm being specific, precise. I want all of the bank statements. I want them in CSV. I want direct access to your financial system. I am coming from a place of I don't believe anything. So I might have 60 questions. I might get those answered as I go through the analysis further. I might have 60 more questions. Now, here's the thing. I'm encumbering you, practice owner, again and again, or I'm encumbering your controller or your team again and again when I'm asking these questions. But hold on. Aren't you running a business still trying to keep the profit level so that the purchase price can be what you need it to be? So now you're having somebody who you didn't pay, who has a penchant for being persistent, who already told you is in the top 5% of accountants, because that's who does transaction advisory, in your behind while you're trying to run your business. So not only can you write your sins with the sell side quality of earnings, but you can get out of the sort of nasty process that it can be on the buy side, right? You're saying if, if they were to hire you as opposed to if we had you and then we come to look at that practice financials, you're saying it would be easier if they just had hired you up front as opposed to we hired you, we're paying you, then you go and look in their financials and you're saying you're kind of in there 
asking the 60 questions. You might have another 60 question follow up. And that practice owner is like, man, who this guy, Elliot and his firm. And, you know, we're talking Dave and Fieldmaker Group. And this is like taking a lot of time and effort and they didn't pay you and they don't necessarily want you to be there. And they're trying to uphold the revenue and the profit of the current practice so that there's no, you know, drop off or anything like that. So that's what you're kind of saying, right? Exactly that. And then let's let's bring it to even more brass tacks. So I'm a business owner. If I was doing a sell-side quality earnings, I would say, okay, look, I have times on Tuesdays from 10 to 12 to address your questions and give you data. And I'll be sitting on my controller and I can do it. So I get to organize the time that I provide the data. I get to say, hey, next week is not a good week for me. So let's just skip that week. I can say, hey, this data over here is imperfect. Can you guys take some time to kind of figure it out? And then we'll meet on it. You manage the process, the time, because the optimal thing for you is to keep running your business at maximum profit. Because guys like Dave may walk away from a deal too. So you got to keep your business running at maximum profit. In the buy side process, when I'm working for Dave, like 10 to 12 on Thursdays may not work for me. So now I'm pushing you to do stuff before the business opens, after the business closes, on days that aren't convenient. That week that you need to take off or whatever is not good for you. I'm like, hey, Dave, I don't know, man. You know, great financials come quickly. I don't know where these guys are. I wish that we could sort of get, I mean, their controllers still working, even though the practice, the, the practice head is gone. Like, why can't we get this data? And it just, it encumbers you more. And then let's talk about magnitudes of money. When you're selling your business for over a million dollars, the service that I provide is 20 to 30 grand. The pain in the butt size that a, a buy side quality of earnings can be, in my mind, is like 50 to 100 grand of pain. Here's why. It is a proctological exam of mass proportion in your financials. There's no other way to say it. I think I do it nicer and more friendly than most, right? Uh, so I don't come from an audit CPA background. I'm a deal guy. You, you better. I, you're, you're the king of Q of E. That's why I'm the king. <laughs> Uh, because, uh, cause I, cause I do this in a more strategic way, but let's be completely honest. It is a painful process. So for 20 grand, you can get rid of 50 to hundred grand of pain and manage this process more proactively in your favor to get a higher price. How do you get a higher price? If I see financials that are clean as a buyer, I don't have to go in and say, man, I think these financials are plus or minus 30. So I need to haircut my LOI price by 30% just because I don't know if it's going to happen. And I don't want to lie to this practice owner about the price that I'm willing to pay. So with the confidence of the financials that I have today, I'm sandbagging my 30% versus you did your work on the sell side owner. You already have a QOV. I know the financials are probably plus or minus 1% because the work's been done. I can make the full bid. So you less pain for you, higher price that you get. And honestly, if it's your first time selling, there's a lot of unorthodox stuff that happens during a sale process, right? To get a million dollar check, you just have to do some things, a lot of documents, contracts, questions and stuff that you did 20 years ago when you started it. Like, where's your articles of incorporation? There's a lot of other stuff that's gonna come at you. It's an amazing benefit to you to have your financial house in order in the same way that the buyer wants it in order before you start this process. Got it. On the sell side, I'm curious approximately what percentage of the time for business owners, practice owners that you're representing on the sell side, how often do, you, do they or what percentage of, of your clientele use your QOV report and then they just go negotiate the rest of it of the exit themselves versus they use your report and then they have a broker or advisor? Meaning the broker advisor for the negotiation part, but then you're kind of brought in for the specialist QOV report then the broker advisor doesn't have to do it. Or maybe you collaborate with the broker advisor. I'm just curious 
because there's practice owners that watch or listen and they'll reach out if, and they'll ask like, you know, should I, do I recommend any brokers or advisors or some reach out and they think that they probably are savvy enough to negotiate the whole thing on their own. But in terms of your component, how often do you collaborate with these brokers advisors versus like you just provide the report and then the sellers, you know, they don't need a broker advisor. So I would say half the time that I do a sell side QOE, the owner is selling his business without a broker or an advisor. Meaning they're saying, hey, look, because this is the 80% diligent solution for my business, it is a more regimented version, a more believable version of my business to deliver to a buyer relative to a broker's confidential information memorandum, which we all know is inflated and is created by a person who must have the financials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. Yes. And so now you get a report that does 80% of the work that you need to do to go to market. And now you can just directly communicate with buyers. It typically happens a lot if I'm a practice owner and Dave's been emailing me, calling me for you know a couple of months. I'm thinking about selling. And all of a sudden, November 1st, 2023, I said, you know what? I actually do want to sell today. But I want to know exactly how my financials are. And I want to put this in a very easy format for him to consume. Spend your 30 days, get yourself out QOE. You send it to Dave. You could be done in a very short period of time. But I also do work with some sell-side advisors. So there may be a quality of earnings and a broker. Some people want that as well. But I will say that sell-side quality of earnings volume has increased in the past 12 to 18 months. And I think the reason why is sort of the words getting out that for owners, it's such an advantageous tool to keep the stress down in an already stressful process. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. And the reason I was asking is because there's definitely some practice owners that are very savvy and they're have a good history of negotiating, you know, lease agreements or, you know, other deals or whatever. And so they might just need your Q of E report and then they're going to do the rest versus like, I think with a broker advisor, who's then going to create the, the SIM, the, the confidential information memorandum. Then with you, I mean, there is a little bit of overlap. They're kind of talking about generalities and like high level things. And then you're talking about like the granular financial reporting. So I just, it seemed like it would be good to ask because there's a little bit of overlap and some practice owners would probably be able to negotiate the rest once they have your QV and how, how, like, is the, it is, it's not necessarily independent, right? But there is a little bit of, like, you're going to do your process no matter what, right? You're going to, you're going to perform the report, the practice owner, let's say if they're paying you, is there, you know, do you have any, like, you're going to provide a report that's like straightforward and it is what it is with the numbers, right? There's no way of, sure. there's no way of you inflating the QV report for the sellers, the way that a broker advisor would in the sim, right? Great question. Great question. Because you, you can't. I sell or can, integrity. Or can you? I sell okay. integrity. I get sued if I'm wrong. The deal world is small. We know when people do shady things very quickly. It doesn't take long. People talk. So I sell integrity. I don't inflate numbers. I don't take projections. I don't assume things are true without data support. I don't allow for sort of loose support for things to get into my report. When it says guardian due diligence and it says quality of earnings or any other reputable firm and their quality of earnings, what it's saying is we did a mini audit on this business and delivered the most accurate set of high quality financials that we could possibly do. And anything that we were uncertain about, we also stated. 
So there are times when I don't have the full data. So in the paragraph that I'm writing about this part of the financials, I'm writing that, hey, according to this data, we made these assumptions and this is why the number is here, but it may be different if X, Y, and Z. And so the buyer will know that as well. So I wanted to answer that emphatically because it matters. So I did a presentation this summer and what I said is um, buyers don't believe investment bankers or brokers. They believe accountants. And I really nailed that in because if you go get a broker, the broker is there to create an auction. An auction takes time. An auction will have 10, 15 people getting on calls with you, asking you all these questions for only two or three to give a letter of intent for you to sign one. And if you want to go through that process, that's your thing. If you already have buyers that are talking to you, and there's a lot of folks that do, if you're a pretty smart, astute person, there's no reason you can't get this solid report from this group that sells integrity, from these accountants that are top five, top 1%, and deliver that to a buyer, and you're 80 or 90% of the way there. And so it's it's a different way to sell. Some folks don't want the 10, 15 calls, don't want that many people in their financials. They may be concerned about competitive issues getting out into the, the market. They may be concerned about a competitor finding out that they're selling because some guy that they play basketball with was on a call asking questions. And so this is an alternative to that, that protects you just as much as sort of the, the broker process, but it's more streamlined. And a lot of practice owners are probably saying, hey, look, I'm smart enough to manage this. You said, I've negotiated leases. I've been in business 20 years. I've had contractors in and out of here. I've dealt with a lot, like I'm solid. And I might want to do this inside of three or six months, right? I might not want to take three or four months for a broker to put something together, three or four months for them to get a process going and three or four months to close. I might want to be done in two months. And, and, and this facilitates that. Got it. And now you mentioned you sell integrity, which it makes a lot of sense. Now on the sell side, for the, the practice owners, the business owners, your product, like the actual deliverable is probably also, like you said, offering certainty or like proof of the financials. And then for us on the buy side, we're looking at it and we're looking at your report and there's definitely that certainty of like, okay, here's something that's been done that is, like you said, better than just QuickBooks or, you know, a little higher level than their accountancy or definitely higher than like just the traditional bookkeeping. So for us, it's, you know, you're offering to then the potential buyers, regardless of like you do a report and it doesn't matter. I don't think you tell me otherwise you, you do a report and it doesn't matter. Like, I feel like looking at it, if you do it for the seller or you do it for us, the buyers, either way for us, it's like, I mean, no, we didn't pay you, but you're selling the integrity of the process. So ideally, whether it's you or some other firm doing it, the numbers should be the numbers. And so yeah. for us, it's like, there's definitely certainty and there's more certainty than if there was no QV report. So that's great. It's great for the buyers. And then for the sellers out there, it's providing it's providing them probably with a little bit of a unique angle because we've looked at so many practices and they never have a Q of E. So there are more yeah. practices, maybe even practice owners need to watch this and, and reach out to you or something. But there's a little bit of uh, a different perspective depending on which side of the table you're at. But either way, there's no downside to this. Is there? There isn't. And I forgot one of the main gyros of value. Oh, so apologies, guys. I, I got I to gotta nail this. So for larger practices, the buyer, this is probably not the way Dave does business. So I want to give you this caveat, but some larger buyers are some more institutional buyers, right? And maybe larger practices, 
Um, what will happen is they'll bring in their buy side POE and it'll be some top four firm like Alvarez and Marsal or Deloitte or PwC. And, and let me just tell you how that works when I am on the sell side representing the seller. So I've done a sell side QOE. I've spent my 30 days in their business. I have this report. I deliver it to the buyer. The buyer has this big firm that wants to ask a bunch of questions. And those big firms are less nice than I am. I promise you, they don't have the same sort of training and customer service. And so instead of the seller having to get on the phone call and answer all these questions from the buyer's accountant, right? I get on the phone and answer all those questions. So I'll give you a quick, for instance, it wasn't a practice, but it was a business. Um, it was about a $20 million deal. So a bit larger, they had this, the buyer, I did the sell side QOE. Two or three months later, buyer has their accounts. They want to ask a bunch of questions. They send a bunch of questions. We get on a phone call. So I'm on the phone call representing the quality of earnings. The seller's on the phone call just representing his business. So essentially they berate me for an hour and a half. I answer all these accounting questions. And you know what the seller's doing? He's on the phone, cracking jokes, having fun, being the hero of the story because he already has his financials in order and he has somebody to represent them. In the other case, when you didn't do the sell side QOE, it's not impossible. It's just these calls with these forensic accountants are painful, long. They're going to be questions that they ask you that you just don't have an answer for. And it's not, it's not a dagger in the deal. It's just you're supposed to be the hero of the story as a seller. This is supposed to be your monetization, the manifestation of your 10, 20 years of your journey. You should be the hero. This allows you to be the hero. And we're talking about 20, 30,000 bucks on two, three, four, five million bucks. I mean, it's a drop in the bucket to avoid a lot of pain and get a lot of certainty. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. To wrap things up, any final considerations? I mean, we definitely went in, we started higher level, we kind of went into a lot of detail. We talked about like what you need access to and you know the length and the timeline. In terms of the the timeline, I think you said a seller could reach out to you maybe within 30 to 60 days of potentially looking to sell or exit, or maybe they get some offers, they're getting some outreach and some interest, then they reach out to you. Any just final wrap up to talk about in regards to this whole process and how to best help either sellers or buyers out there? In the best case, I can finish my work in 30 days. You could call me today and I'd be done in 30 days. Now, if you know it's harder to get data or something else happens, it can be up to 60. But for the most part, 30 days, I'd probably get it done 80% of the time. Just wanted to kind of put that out there. I would say I'm fortunate to have a huge resource library on my website of over 200 sort of pieces of content about the, the selling or the buying of businesses. If you're kind of getting interest in it and you're sort of like, hey, I don't know exactly what this is about, you can go to my website. My resource library has a lot of stuff that you can consume on your own time. You don't need all of it, probably two or three videos and one article to get you right in the mix. And it'll make it easier for you to execute this process with more knowledge. My last charge to owners, and this comes from me being an owner, is there's huge benefit in you getting your financials in order before you ask buyers to come into your, your shop and have to do it themselves. And with the size of these deals and how much it's good for sellers to be heroes, I would say the smartest sellers are increasingly getting a sell-side QOE to reduce the pain and increase the price that they're getting for their businesses. That's how I that's how I finish off the message, Dave. Hopefully that's fair. Perfect. Very fair. And just a, a final comment about how this QV and how your service can kind of help keep buyers like us, keep buyers honest, because if you're representing on the sell side, 
then this report as well can prevent these practice owners from getting low ball offers or they get an offer like you might, and I don't know, just to, as a final touch point, you might sure. say, here's the report. And then I don't know if you provide any other you know, commentary on it, or maybe the practice owners then, like I said, that's why I asked you about if they have a broker or not, or if they just use your report, or maybe you do a little consulting layer outside of the report. I don't know. But the practice owner then wants to test the market with your report. They're talking to one or more buyers like us or other buyers. And sure. they shouldn't, they should probably know from your report if they're getting a low ball offer from us. Like, are we trying to take advantage of them or not? And are you and this report and the service being able to keep us honest that we're not trying to take advantage of this practice owner? So honest and low ball, I want to address them both. So buyer man. Adjusted EBITDA times the multiple that I've had in my head for ages because I'm in the industry equals purchase price, right? My report gives you adjusted EBITDA. The buyer has a multiple. So therefore, you have a price the second they get the report. It's very easy for them to value the business. It's more complex than the other side. So yes, it keeps lowball offers away because once you show the report, you get a price, you divide it by the EBITDA, you see the multiple. You're like, well, this guy's EBITDA multiple is three point. This, this guy's is three point that, this guy's four. These three guys are, are low. And how the heck did this guy get a 2X multiple? Man, I'm so glad that I already have this in order. That guy's got to get out of here. So that, it does help the low ball. It also keeps the buyers honest. So um, Dave is doing a podcast for a particular industry. So you have to understand his reputation is very important in this industry. So he wouldn't do this, but there are buyers that use the buy side quality of earnings to knock down the price to create doubt in financials artificially, to reduce the EBITDA creatively, to then decrease the purchase price in between letter of intent and closing. And we just have to be big boys and big girls about that happens. People use quality of earnings on the buy side to decrease the purchase price. When you have your own report, you protect yourself against that because a reputable firm's already said, here's what the numbers are. If somebody tries to come and say, hey, the numbers are way less, once again, you have two groups of accountants who are notoriously detail-oriented, specific, having a discussion. You will reconcile what the real numbers are, and it will, it will come out in your favor, and you'll get out of a lot of BS that happens in some buy-side processes. Like I said, Dave's in this industry investing in it, so it wouldn't be him, but there are some people who maliciously use the buy-side due diligence process to knock down price knowing that you're pregnant with that buyer and the closest path to getting a check is through that buyer, not throwing the whole buyer away and going back to market. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Thanks for clarifying that. Elliot, uh, definitely want to have you back on the future. This is great. We'll pause here. What's a good place on the internet or social media for the audience to reach out to you, whether it's your website or social media, we'll link to all that below, but just let us know specific places. So I have a very professional Twitter. I'm not tweeting about all kinds of stuff, just buying and selling businesses. I'm the king of QOE on Twitter. Enjoyable tweets about this very important concept. And then my website is guardiandiligence.com. So search for that or Elliot Holland on your Google. Um, you'll find me. I'll be up at the top. And if there's a way I can help you, let me know. You can contact me through information on my website. Excellent. Elliot, thank you so much for your time. If you guys watching or listening find this valuable, subscribe to The Dave Kittle Show on YouTube as well as iTunes or Spotify. We'll catch you next time here on the show. Elliot, thank you. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. 
And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.